Turn with me now in your Bibles to Hebrews 11. My scripture reading this morning is going to be Hebrews 11, 32 through 40, verses that we come to in our regular study of Hebrews, verses that in God's providence are, are very fitting for today. Let us first pray and ask for his blessing upon the ministry of the word. Father God, we do ask that you would be with us this morning and that you that you would minister to us through your word. May it be to us that pure spiritual milk by which we grow up in our salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That is the reading of God's word. This morning, we come to the end of Hebrews chapter 11. In this chapter, the author has presented us with a long series of pictures Pictures of men and women who walked by the footsteps of faith. Abel, who offered a better sacrifice. Enoch, who pleased God. Noah, who built the ark. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab. And in verse 32, he says that he could go on almost indefinitely. He goes, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He then goes on to describe in very general terms the the lives of those who he does not have time to to tell us about. He, He tells us that through faith, they conquered kingdoms. Through faith, they established justice. They obtained promises, etc., etc. It's it's an amazing description. The thing that I want you to see in this general description of the life of faith is that faith, the life of faith, does not always look the way we expect it to look. Notice again verse 39. Uh, All these, he says, were commended through their faith. All these. All these men whom he has described, all these men were commended 
for their faith. That is, they were approved and, and even praised by God. To, to borrow Jesus' own language, these are the ones who heard their heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. But what we need to recognize is that all these doesn't include only the first half of the list. All these includes the second half, too. And think about what that means. It means that the life of faith doesn't always look like we expect it to look. What would you expect your life to look like if God were pleased with you? What would you expect your life to look like if, if God commended you for your faith? We expect it to look like the first half of this description, do we not? We, we expect it to look like Daniel stopping the mouths of lions. You, you may remember the story. Daniel, because he was faithful in prayer, was, was thrown into the lion's den. It was, it was meant to be his execution. It was meant to be the end of his life. And yet, by faith, the mouth of those lions was stopped. Or you may remember the story of his friend Shadrach, Meshach and, and Abednego, they are the ones who, who by faith quenched the power of fire. Again, they, they refused to, to submit to the worship of the Babylonian kingdom. They refused to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And because they did, they were thrown into the fiery furnace, a, a furnace that was blazing so hot, the men who carried them to the edge perished at the task. And yet, we're told that when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, they were not harmed. And when they were brought out of the furnace alive, not even their clothes smelled of fire. This is what we expect the, 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 the life of faith to, to look like. We, we expect it to look like stopping the mouths of, of lions and, and quenching the power of fire. I want you to know this morning that that is possible. The God we serve is the God of Daniel. The God we serve is the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is the God who can raise even the dead, and he hasn't changed. His powers haven't diminished. Even today, by faith, we as his people can overcome any obstacle. We by faith, can overcome any enemy. And I think that is an important thing for us to remember, especially in this day of uncertainty. What is it that God has called you to do? What is the, the task that he has laid before you? He's called you to raise your children and the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. He has called you to, to love the, the members of your family, maybe especially those who are most difficult to, to love. He's called you to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. He has called you to, to some sort of, of work that, that promotes his kingdom and, and establishes justice and, and peace in the land. And whatever it is, whatever work he has given you to do, whatever it is that he has called you to, you can undertake the task boldly and with confidence, knowing that, that though you are weak, he is strong. And in your weakness, 
you can know that his strength is sufficient for the work that he has given you to do. That promise still holds for us today. It's not just true in the days of Daniel. It's not just true in in the days of the Old Testament prophets. That is true for us today. The work that he has given us to do, he and his strength is sufficient to do it. And therefore, we as his people are sufficient for whatever task he has called us to. We are not competent in ourselves, but our sufficiency is in him. But We must not think that because his strength is more than sufficient, that he will always use his strength in the way that we expect. Remember the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they they stood before the king. Remember what they said. They said, God is able to save us from your hand. You cannot touch us apart from his will. But even if he doesn't, they said, even if he doesn't even if he allows us to perish in the flame we will trust him we know that in their case he did he acted in in power to to save them from the fire by faith they quenched the power of the flames but he doesn't always we see this in the second half of the list god sometimes gives Strength, not to triumph, but to endure defeat. Notice the description. He he says some were tortured, even to the point of death. Some were were stoned. Some were sawn in two or, or killed with the sword. Others didn't lose their lives, but they were flogged and mocked and imprisoned. Others were were exiled. That's what we see in the description of them going about in sheepskins. That that means they had no access to the market. They had no way to buy clothes for themselves. They were reduced to, to wearing sheepskins, and they lived in caves because they had no access to the city. They were exiles, sent away from their own people. That is not what we expect the life of faith to look like that that's not what we expect life to look like for those with whom god is well pleased that's why we often find ourselves crying out god how could you let this happen god why is this happening to me god what are you up to the cries that we are all too familiar with cries that we have all felt we need to remember that all these were commended by God. All these, not just the first half, but the second half too. They were commended by God. And we need to remember that, especially in these uncertain times. In these times when we are fearful not only of a disease, but of the consequences of that disease. Even this morning, you you may be wondering what will happen if you get sick or if someone you love gets sick or or you may be wondering what this disease is going to do to your company or to the economy, to your retirement savings. The consequences could be drastic. We honestly just don't know. We don't know what God is up to. We, We don't know what God will do. 
Now, obviously, he's capable of closing the mouths of lions. He is, he is capable of stopping the disease. He is capable of, of protecting his people. But we know that he doesn't always work in the way that we would expect. In the weeks and months ahead, we may find ourselves asking God, what are you doing? What are you up to? We'll find the answer to that question. We must understand that, that success in this life is not what God has promised. Notice he says, all these were commended by God, but they did not receive what was promised. God had something bigger, something better in mind for his people. Even those who, who closed the mouths of lions did not receive, but obviously those who were tortured, those who were killed with the sword, those who were sawn in two, they did not receive what was promised. God had something bigger, something better in mind for them. You see, sometimes our success in this life serves his purposes. It it serves his promises. Sometimes our defeat serves his purposes. Sometimes our, our suffering serves his promises. And the only thing we know for certain is that God will do whatever serves his purposes. He will do whatever brings about the fulfillment of his promises. And so what is this something better that God has promised? The author told us earlier in this chapter, his purpose is to bring us into the kingdom. Remember, the patriarchs looked for a better country. Moses considered the the suffering of God's people greater treasure than than the treasures of Pharaoh's house because he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the inheritance that would be his in the age to come. You see, God is is bringing us to his kingdom. Not only bringing us to his kingdom, but he he is making us fit for that kingdom. Remember Psalm 24. The psalmist asks, who can dwell in the house of the Lord? It is he who has clean hands and a pure heart. That disqualifies each of us. And yet God is making us fit for inheritance in his kingdom. He is qualifying us for an inheritance in his kingdom. That is his purpose. That is his promise. It's precisely what we see in Romans chapter 8, that that famous verse that tells us God is working for the good of all those who love him. Well, he immediately goes on to tell us what that good is. The good is that we should be conformed to the image of the glory of Christ. So that being conformed to his image, we might perfectly enjoy him in the age to come for all eternity. That is what God has in store for his people. In the days and the months ahead, whatever unfolds, whatever comes from this new coronavirus, whatever happens to our health, whatever happens to our savings, whatever happens to our economy, we can be sure of this, that God is working something better for his people. God is working for our ultimate good. But of course, if this is so, it raises another question. If God is working for the good of his people, 
what is he waiting for? If God intends to, to give us his kingdom, why doesn't he do it already? Why is he waiting? Well, the author gives us our answer in verse 40. Look again at what the author writes. He says, God has provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, obviously, he's speaking to the Hebrews at this point. The perfection that he has in mind is, is the perfection of the age to come. Earlier, he had mentioned the, the perfection of our consciences, the, the, the perfection where our guilt is removed. And that is something that we enjoy even now. As Paul says in, in Romans 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even now, our consciences have been clean. But we still wait. We still have a hope of glory, which means the glory is not ours yet. Our, our full final salvation is, is still future. Our full comprehensive perfection is not yet. And that is the perfection that the author is talking about here. He says that perfection hasn't come yet, and it won't come until the end. It, it won't come until that final day of, of resurrection. But why? Why is God holding back that day? Why won't God let that day come? What is he waiting for? Well, the author says that God didn't allow that day to come previously for the sake of the Hebrews, that, that they might enter into this salvation. And of course, we can say the same thing today. He still hasn't allowed that day to come for our sake and for the sake of all those who are still yet to the belief, for, for the sake of all of his elect. God is holding back that day. You see, God isn't slow to keep his promises. Rather, as Peter says, he is patient. He is holding wide the door of salvation that none may perish. Because he is patient, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day when all who call upon his name can be saved. Today is a day when whosoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. And so if you are suffering today, or if you find yourself suffering in the days ahead, whether from the disease or, or whether from its consequences, even in the midst of your suffering, you can know that God is at work for the good of his people. That doesn't mean it won't hurt, but it means that even in your grief and even in your groaning, you can rejoice knowing that God is working for your good and that God is working even for the good of others through you. And therefore, whatever comes, you may endure with hope. And if you're wondering why you must suffer, why God delays, why he hasn't yet given what he promised, remember, it's not that he's slow. It's that he is patient, but that he is open wide and holding open the door of salvation. And therefore, let us not be moved, 
from the hope of the gospel. Let us, let us not be moved from the hope of that gospel that we have believed, but let us stand firm in that hope. Let us stand firm in that faith until that day when he brings to completion the good work that he has begun, knowing that because Jesus has walked the road of suffering before us, we can now walk it without fear, knowing that this road leads to glory. For he who went before us is even now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And if he sits in glory, we can know for certain that he will not fail to bring us into his glory. Yes, the trials will come. And yes, they may be severe, but they are in our Father's hands. And therefore, they cannot but be for our good. And because all things must work for our final perfect good, that is one reason we call this good news. Do you believe that? I pray that you do. Even this morning, as we are gathered around the city, not together, knowing that he is for us. And therefore, we will one day receive all that he has promised. So let us pray together that God would allow these truths to take deep root in our hearts, even this morning. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for this grace. We thank you for this good news. We thank you that that you are even now at work for our good. Father God, May we learn to rest in you. May we learn to take refuge in our mighty fortress. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.